Hey, Nicole. Hi, Evie. Cheers. Cheers. Oh, you know what? I left my water upstairs. Oh, no. Yes. Here, so, clink me with your plastic bottle. <laughs> cheers. I, cheers to the queers. We don't do the cocktails anymore, so we don't I have know. the good, like, clink. We need, like, a cheer sound. I know. We really do. Yeah. We yeah. do. We, yeah, you we know just... me and my sound effects. I love them. Yeah. Cheers to the queers. Cheers to the queers. Happy Pride. Happy fucking Pride Month, queerdos. Happy Pride. This year it's just like it seems like especially important doesn't it it's weird yeah because there's um there's just so much shit going on and we're not even we're not even like bombarded with corporate pride either like they're just not doing it it's wild yeah yeah so um speaking of pride like did you have a great pride last weekend i did um couple things. Number one, it was so hot. It was really hot. Like, it's been so cool this whole week and Always, night. yeah. But Pride was, it was so fucking hot. Just that single day was so hot. Um, so it's like, there was one point where I was standing in line for 2.15, um, just to go in for a few, you know, all my friends were in there. And it was like, there was no wind, nothing. And the sun was just like beating down on me. And there was... Well, that was the thing. There's just so little relief from the sun. Like there was not a lot of shade, you know? No clouds, not a cloud in the sky. Nope, not a cloud. Um, But other than that, yeah, I had a great time. Uh, I got to, you know, like... We all met up at our friend's house, Ro and Jess's, and they were awesome. And um, uh, Congresswoman Haley Stevens showed up and... And then the- and our state senator Jeremy Jeremy Moss was there, yep. who is just fucking amazing. If you don't live in Michigan, check out Jeremy Moss. He yeah. is pretty fucking incredible. He's a gay man, and he is. He shows up too. He shows up to all these like events that you know. I mean, Pride is Ferndale Pride is. We have Motor City Pride. We have a couple of big ones, but Ferndale Pride's a little smaller. Um, I think it's personally I, I enjoy it the most, but. The fact that these the congresswoman and senator showed up is yeah. really really cool, and they showed up at our friend's house because Roe and Jess are like the fucking pillars of the community. Yeah, exactly. Um, and then the uh, the bagpipes. Oh, okay, so I didn't get that. So yet. we had like so they had everybody over a little bit before Pride opening ceremonies began, you know, for bagels and mimosas and things like that. And then we took a big group picture, and there's probably like 50 of us in this picture. I mean, it's a lot of people in this yeah. picture. And then, yes, this gentleman with the bagpipes. Their neighbor. Rowan Justin's neighbor. Okay, yeah. their neighbor. I don't know his name. Yeah. But he walked us down to Pride. So we had our own, like, personal little Pride parade, walking down to Pride. And he walked us into Pride. So who... <laughs> It was pretty fucking amazing to walk in with the bagpipe player. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like we brought pride and we really kind of did. Cause then like immediately that's when opening ceremonies started. That's so cool. It was really kind of cool. I saw, um, I didn't, I didn't see it in person, but I saw that Jess and Ro and Jess were oh, awarded. Yeah. They, they were awarded. They, yeah. Julia did a nice little, you know, she acknowledged all the people who like really helped make pride happen. And, you know, Ro and Jess throw, you know, one of the biggest fundraisers yeah. for Pride, for Ferndale Pride every year. So they got a shout out as well. A little acknowledgement from Julia, which was awesome. Yeah. And they went up on stage. I got a little video. Oh, cute. I know. Cute. Yeah. So other than that, like other than the temp, it was great. Um, the turnout was great. There was no, I didn't see any protesters or anything. I didn't either. But to be fair, I also didn't kind of go down to the Woodward edge. I did. I, I went, I, I did it all the way down. I walked the whole perimeter and there nobody was there. I'm surprised with yeah. 
Christian militant right around the that, corner. And yeah, everything. that Catholic thing. Yeah. I swear, I was telling somebody. I thought it was. I never realized it was real. I really thought it was like a, like a cosplay place or like somewhere that they play like D and D or something because it's like it's so. Uh, um, in our, and it's in Ferndale. Yeah, it's and it's pretty close. To, in yeah, pretty close to like the and it was downtown. started by a quote unquote ex gay guy. Oh, I didn't know that. Oh yeah, yeah. <clears throat> Ew. I'm sure he's really, really, truly, you know, turned to. And so the whole thing with them though is like they believe that um, they are like the militant win- wing of the Catholic Church. That's why they yeah they have like a whole media outlet that's called Saint Michael's Media. And, and it has to do with St. Michael being like the archangel that fought or something, being yeah. a warrior of some kind, militant. So they believe that they are the militant wing of the Catholic Yeah, and, 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 and the church and the outside is like black. It's, it's like they've gr- also yes, it's like right. It's yeah, like, it's while, and it had they have their their logo. And that's why I thought it was like a cosplay place because it's so dramatic. It's like a um, a single story building, and it's black and like has like red on the low. It's just really they strange. own several buildings yeah. actually down there. I'm just thinking and of that they, one spot. I know, but they own another one like on another block, like right by there. I and wonder they, if that's that weird church that I see all the time. Probably, and they bought up a bunch of properties around in the neighborhood back behind there as well. They're trying to pull a Scientology yeah. in Ferndale. Yeah, and, and so that's like this militant wing of the Catholic Church. Except the Catholic Church has denounced them. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't stop them from you know, basically, so that's why they can't call themselves, you know, Catholic militant. They have yeah. to call themselves Christian militant or whatever because the, the Catholic Church won't let them use Catholic in their branding. But they're violent. Yeah. And they're scary, so I'm really, really surprised that yeah, they didn't no. show up. I thought they would too, but no, I, I didn't see. I mean, at the time, I went down there. I only went down to the edge once, and I didn't see anyone yeah. there. And it was mid afternoon, so I assume if they were going to do it, it would have been. Yeah. You know. um, well, you know what was else that I thought was super cool? Like, uh, so during opening ceremonies, like there were like you know usually there's like a, a small contingent of politic political people in the audience. Do you sure. know what I'm saying? Like one or two to you know sort of say hi to everybody, whatever. I swear to fucking God, there were like 30. Really? <laughs> that Julia called out. Yeah. I mean, it was like maybe, maybe not 30. Maybe it was more like 20, yeah. but it was literally the most I've ever, ever seen Just at like a local Pride event. Yeah. Like awesome. our state, like local and like local to our state. You know yeah. what I mean? So, like, you know, it went all the way up to like Dana Nessel, right? Yeah. Yeah. So statewide, but for sure. But she's also a local resident. Yeah. Does she, does she live around here? Yeah, she lives in the Detroit area. Yeah. I mean, I know she, yeah. Um, Dana Nestle is awesome too. Uh, yeah, the whole thing is, so that was pretty cool. And I love that we're, you know, kind of like we know Julia. We've had her on the pod before. She's awesome. Shout out to Julia Music. You did a great job. Amazing. Honestly, um, Pride really was like the amount of like, resources and all the things that she had available in all the little like offshoot areas was amazing. Yeah, she's incredible. She really is. She's like uh, another huge part of this community. Um, so thank you, Julia. Another pillar. Another pillar, if you will. <laughs> so Pride was great. Um, how was your week otherwise? Um, my week otherwise was good. I mean, it was, you know, it was kind of a long weekend because Pride and then we had uh, Matt's graduation on Sunday. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, I didn't, you know, like that was the beautiful thing about Pride this year. I mean, and and lately, I think just, you know, getting older, 
it's just not like it was in your 20s. You yeah. Know, oh, when you're for like, sure. Done by three, because, and then back out by seven. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, you know, I maintained throughout the day. I did not get wasted at all. Although I did take a weird picture of somebody's Instagram thing page that they were recommending to me at 10:41 p.m. that night, <laughs> and I have no idea why. <laughs> Because I've looked at the Instagram page that I take a picture yeah. of, and I'm like, why did I? That's that, hysterical. That is, I don't understand what, what, what. You were having, you were, yeah, you were engaged in a conversation. I left her on then. Yeah. And you were, um, but you didn't seem like. Yeah. Wasted. I mean, it's probably so, a combination of being tired. But too. that was the thing. I mean, yeah. So Sunday, I mean, we were just exhausted. Yeah. And so having to do a graduation party was. Yeah, that was the. Uh, it was something, but I mean, you know what? We had a really nice time there as well, and it was chill, so it was it was good. It was a really good weekend. Yeah, I it, my I did those two catering events. I agreed to oh, before. Yeah, I, I was so fucking tired. Like it was. I told you on Friday night between four and like ten thirty eleven, I walked like over well over fifteen thousand steps, <laughs> and then the next day, <laughs> the same, and then the third day, the same. The end of like Sunday, I was. I was dead. I walked about 45,000 steps. Yeah. I was so tired. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it was fun. It was a fun weekend. You're ready to put your feet up, are you? I was. I was. <laughs> I am. Uh, I feel better now. Although, um, I went for a long walk outside yesterday. And uh, so I started feeling, like, kind of shitty. And I was, like, worried I was getting sick. But I really think it's just that the air quality is so bad right now. And I walked for, like, well over an hour outside. Mm. And, like, it, like my, I'm super, like... So yeah, I think it's just that. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. yeah. um, otherwise, I feel completely fine. But it's like something in my, you know, my my nose and stuff. I it's feel those like wildfires just... in Canada. Yeah, fucking Canada. Get it together, Canada. <laughs> Literally killing us. I mean, God. You're Can... New York City today. Oh my God! If you Google the images, it's apocalyptic. Canada. It's wild. Can we have a safe haven there if we need to come there? Yeah, I, I, that is actually true. <laughs> um, I mean, what? Yeah, I mean. Yeah. Yeah. So it's a good week. I love it. I love Ferndale. I, you know, the longer I'm here, the more I'm happy I'm here, which is never the case. I don't know. When I was younger, like I was thinking about this the other day, like how I did my life. Like, like it's over. Like how, but no, you know what I mean? <laughs> like, I'm, I love that I took my 20s and 30s and traveled and did all this stuff. And then, you know, now I'm starting to like really like kind of plant more roots and have this like routine and we have the podcast and uh, I have such a cool, awesome group of friends and all this good stuff going on. And it's like, like, you know, you know how I watch my favorite shows and like I, Queer as Folk is always in that rotation. I truly feel like that now, like the, that we have that here in Ferndale, you know, it's so special, like that we have this cool group of friends and it's like this little queer bubble and yeah, yeah it really is a queer bubble. It really, like I it really, is, it is. Do love that about this community. Like we really are. I've never had that before. I'm so very I, well protected it, in, yes, in many and ways. Yes, and I love yeah. Ferndale and I want to like be a part of it, you know? Like, yeah, so, I mean, <laughs> okay, so you know how posting in like neighborhood forums can it can be pretty dicey. It can go one of two ways. Absolutely. There's usually somebody who wants to start a fight with you yeah. about whatever it is that you posted. So like there's just, there's a like a sub neighborhood group in, in the <laughs> Ferndale <laughs> called the Dales, right? Because yeah. there's just a small area of Dales. And <laughs> there were so funny. <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah. um, so so there were some uh, some 
people walking around knocking doors earlier selling their cult you know like true happiness yeah and so like I went a on a cult yeah like did absolutely. you get any information well of course you I mean, know I'm looking kind of... for a fucking cult to join <laughs> was it like a regular Christian cult though it wasn't like something interesting that you'd want to join well, I promise what if I could lead it anyway go ahead I don't think I don't you should have think... told me about this earlier but so, continue okay. so they you know they gave me their little spiel right and, and so like I, I came inside and I just hopped on Facebook in the Dales and it was like you know warning you know there's you know yeah. cult worshippers you know coming door to door you know so you don't waste your time and the people's responses were fucking hilarious oh my god I'm gonna have to see it later it really is so funny like nobody got upset because I called you know some people knocking doors about their religion like nobody got upset about it and was just like are you the devil because you don't you don't love the Lord? Not you know what I mean? Ferndale. Not, yeah. in Ferndale. not in Ferndale. No, not in Ferndale. Not in the Dales. Yeah. So Ferndale, for you folks good. who are oh, since we have so many international listeners, um, just want to point out that we are at like what twenty percent or fifteen percent international now. Yeah. Something yeah. Like that's that. wild. It is wild. Um, well, who do we figure? Who do we find today that we have? Uh, Alaska. We have a listener. Well, that that's not a foreign country. <laughs> That's true, but I was, I wasn't, okay, that's a good point. That's a good point. God. I'm not even going to cut that because that's embarrassing, but also <laughs> forget it. Whatever. Anyway, we have a listener in Alaska. Um, well, where else? Well, Brazil. Know. Brazil. Brazil was exciting. Yeah, Especially, like I our, just finished two seasons of Too Hot to Handle Brazil. It's like our fourth is it like a fourth or fifth yeah, it's country? Like, yeah, yeah, fourth or fifth, fourth. Yeah, and oh my God, seriously, have you have you heard a Brazilian accent? Like Brazilian, yes, the yes. Brazilian language is like so fucking beautiful. Portuguese? It really is. Yeah, Portuguese. Yeah. yeah, but it's the Brazilian lilt of Portuguese. Do you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Oh, it's so pretty. I worked with a lot of Brazilian people at Magianos in Boston. There's a good Brazilian community up there. Um, some of my very good friends are Brazilian, but no, for real, I did work with a lot of them. Um, <laughs> There's this one dude that I work with uh, named um, Fabrizio, and he's exactly, like, he's so good looking, you know? He looks like Bradley Cooper, but, like, you know, like, he's young and he's a bartender. Oh, my God, the women there. The women with fabs. (laughs) And he's one of, you know, he was was one of my really good friends, and he's a nice guy. He's a good guy. But, like, just every, like, everybody loved that man. Yeah. And now he lives in Miami, and he's a realtor, and it's like, I'm so happy for him because he's a good, he's a good guy. Yeah. Yeah, and he has, you know, he has that accent, and he spoke, like, he's... But he's he's part of the the Germans that went, it was Fabrizio Boher, the Germans. Oh that went yeah, to, yeah. But um, yeah, he's he's a, he, <laughs> so that's you know, I always kind of question him about his past, but um, no, he's he's his family migrated there at a different time, and uh, yeah, he's he had that though. Women loved him. They love Brazilians. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love it. Um, I forgot about too hot to handle. It's so I watched fun. That a long time ago, remember? Yeah. The other one, yeah. Lana. Yeah, I'm going to have to re- start that again. Yeah. I highly recommend the Brazilian ones. Yeah. I mean, oh my God. They are the. Too hot to handle? Too the, hot. The two seasons are like, honestly, it's wild rides. All right, all right. What? Totally worth it. Absolute trash. All in. I, oh, I so love good. that. Yes. Um, speaking of wild rides, absolute trash. Next week. We, oh my yeah. gosh! Yes. So 
prepare yourselves, prepare. weirdos. We are going to be doing, we're going to be talking about uh, the new Netflix <laughs> reality show. The Ultimatum, the Queer Edition. Queer Edition. Oh my God, there's so much to say about it. So much to say about it. I kind of can't wait till the reunion too so that they get, we can really find out what they've been up to. Yeah, because, yeah, Because you know, yeah. it was recorded like two years ago. It was filmed like two years ago. Oh, really? Yeah. But they are a bit, have been under contract because they're all on TikTok. Okay. They're all under contract. So I can't say anything. Oh. So, no, I know, I know. Um, and then we can talk all about Vanessa. And all of the things, all but we're going to wait for that till next, next week because week, yeah. there will be spoilers. So. Absolutely. So if you want to listen next uh, next week, either it'll be spoilers or watch the show. You should be watching it yeah, anyway. Absolutely. Watch it. And speaking of, I was thinking, I, I don't think they're going to, but I really wish they would have brought back Tampa Bay's. I oh, really like that no, show. I think they're gonna. I think you there's think gonna so? be. I yeah. Hope so. Yeah. I mean, our friends have said they've seen some filming happening. I hope so because um, we. I really enjoyed that show. I actually liked it. I like those people. It was it's goofy, but like I liked it. I hope they bring it back. I mean, I Queer reality. Yeah. I mean, I certainly hope they bring it back too. Although that one, the dead eye one, she can just go. No, she does cuppy? not. Cuppy. I want back. more cuppy. A hundred percent. I'm agree. in love with her. Cuppy. She, they me. could just actually just bring back a show for her. She's so hot. You know what I'm and saying? And I follow her on Instagram, and she's just still hot. Just fo- just, yes. just do her. Just yeah, cuppy. Her. Cuppy. Just cuppy. I wonder if they listen. Oh, I'm I'm sure they're they big. They all kids. listen. Yeah. Okay. Call me cuppy. Should we get to topic? Let's do it. Happy Pride. Happy Pride. Happy Pride. And may everything you do today be gay as fuck. You know, Nicole, Yeah. You when did. it first became legal for LGBTQ people to get married here yes. in the United States, like across the states, you know, when it was like federally, like all across, it wasn't just piecemeal state by state. Yeah. Right. So I was working for a LGBTQ equality organization at the time. And, you know, it was one of those things that like, when it happened, I mean, everybody was celebrating and everybody was so excited. And it was interesting because like sort of in the community writ large, it was more of this idea of like, well, we've won marriage. Like what else is there? Right. Like there's nothing else to be done. We've, we've sure. we got there. Right. But in the, in, you know, when you were gay for pay and when you were worked in those spaces, you knew that there was so much fucking more work to be done. Right. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, I think, you know, especially these past couple of years, you know, I mean, there's been an amping up of so much like anti LGBTQ rhetoric, you know yeah. what I'm saying? And I mean, a lot of it's like very, very, very specifically geared towards the trans trans community you know what I mean it's like they're using the trans community as like pawns as you know that's that's the ultimate boogeyman yeah now. you know I, what I'm saying I read somewhere I've seen it a couple times that something a lot of the language in these anti-trans bills uh, is the same language that was used at the gay community a long long time ago right so they're like do it's like literally just it's the same language it's the same thing except they're replacing yeah you know the trans folks absolutely yeah. and that's what you know it so it fucking kills me like whenever there is a transphobic queer person right who is like 
and and a couple of them I've been noticing more. I mean, especially since Twitter's become such like a shit show. Yeah. Um, I've been noticing more and more accounts kind of popping up that are just the LGB leave off the T, right? Really? Yeah. <laughs> I've noticed like several. And like it's it it it, it makes me angry for a lot of reasons. But I I mean like mostly it's just sort of like if you actually think that you're not next after they come for you know yeah you know what i'm saying after they come for trans people do you actually think that you're gonna go ahead and be allowed to just be a queer guy yeah you know what i mean like there's no a, no no that's not how this works there's this girl that i follow on tiktok i don't want to say her name because i don't want to give her any traffic um and she's a she's a trans woman and she about a month and a half ago she decided that and obviously she had these feelings long before and I don't know if it was a bit or she had these feelings, but she said that she's joining the right. She she wants to be on the right because of the Dylan um, kind of controversy. Mulvaney, yeah. yeah, you know, I've everybody follows Dylan on TikTok, and she's been a part of that community. But so she, all of it, she thinks that the the, the whole rhetoric, trans, you know, it's it's ridiculous. She thinks that gender affirming care shouldn't be under the age eighteen. She she's she's real um real Caitlyn Jenner vibes, yeah. And so it's been about thirty days, right, since she's like I'm joining the right. And at first she was getting all the support, but then but you could see you so you watch I watched her videos and I always watch her stitches so that doesn't give her views, but people are like um you watch her like okay I'm the right and she gets all this influx of support and then a little thing is said here and then a little thing is said here. So it's been about 30 days and she's like, I'm, I'm leaving the right because they want me dead. <laughs> and it's, it is so wild the way that she's like, oh my God. Like at first she was just, and she's gorgeous and she's, she's white and she's thin and she has all these, you know, the things that like, and the, those sort of whites like, yeah, we, you know, we, you're smart, this and that. But then she's like, well, and you could see that she's actually hearing the real opinion of the right, right. from this and that. And so now she was, she was in the right for like 30 days. And now she's, I don't know where she stands. I don't know where I stand. I'm in the middle. Because they're literally telling her like, no, 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 no. We, we still want you dead. Like you're, you know, if, if you're here, fine. We support you more than this person. We still want you dead. Yeah, so. they literally want to extinguish the existence yeah. of trans people specifically but also the entire lgbtq Absolutely. community and like right now so if you go to the aclu's website they have a tracker mm -hmm. and right now in the u.s in each state or and federally there are 491 anti-lgbtq bills jesus yeah in fact i know for a fact today in the michigan legislature they were debating a bill to ban conversion therapy yeah. So let's hope that our. Uh... I think we're pretty, um, pretty lucky in Michigan. Oh, we really are. We really got some good people. We um, really working, do working for us and go Gretch. We absolutely do. Go Gretch. Yeah. So generally, though, like what these different bills are like, I mean, we've heard a lot about some of them. You know what I'm sure. saying? Like, for example, like everybody is super familiar with, you know, wanting to ban trans kids in sports. Right. Yeah. Everybody that's kind of a, a nationwide thing that's happening in a lot of different states. And there's also like different bills to pr prevent trans people from using their appropriate bathroom, you know, 
that's also pretty much out there. Everybody knows about that. The book book bans that are going into effect, you know, to stop people from being able to access, you know, books that maybe represent them. Yeah. Um, there's, you know, different uh, bills that are aimed at uh, preventing medical access to healthcare. You know, sure. gender affirming healthcare is a huge target for people. Yeah. I know that it's um, definitely t- younger people are targeted, but I know in Florida, um, older folks found out they're targeted as well recently. Yeah. Luckily, some of these bills are being blocked by the courts, which I was pretty happy to see. Yeah. But that's not stopping them from, you know, passing them. Yeah. You know, and that's the thing. It's like in these super red states, you know, you can get a bill passed. Sure. And it can become law before the courts manage to strike it down. Do you know what I mean? So there's still actual human costs for all of this. I mean, there's um, there are bills that are attempting to like undermine non-discrimination laws that prevent people from you know, discriminating against you in housing, work, all, you know, public accommodations, all different kinds of things just because of your sexual orientation or gender identity. And then, of course, there's also the ID laws that they're trying to pass, which are, you know, again, intended to target the trans community to prevent them from being able to have a, you know, government-issued identification that accurately identifies them as the gender that they yeah identify with yeah exactly um so there's 491 of those right now yeah and so i mean like there's all and there's these groups i mean so have you heard of this group um moms for liberty yeah they were just actually um labeled a hate group yeah by the southern poverty law center that's right moms Moms for liberty moms for hate they're actually imagine if your mom was part of that how embarrassing that would be those are the worst ones you know when uh i don't what was it um I want to say Maryland, but that's not right. It was like a Wyoming or it was more. Uh, Maryland and Wyoming. I know. So I want to say Maryland, Very but different. it's definitely Wyoming. Might have, been, might have been Wyoming. I can't remember. Um, it was a yeah. it was a more middle state uh, sure. trans representative in the House or Senate there. Like they, the Republicans blocked her. They like prevented her from actually going in to do her job. And so um, a bunch of people had gone. So she was able to continue to do things via Zoom, right, or whatever. But she had to do it outside of the chambers. They would not allow her into the chambers. chambers. And um, a bunch of, you know, her constituents started to show up to, like, kind of show support. And at the same time, these fucking moms for fucking liberty show up to take up space on these benches to prevent her from actually being able to set up shop. It's so disappointing. You know, and the worst part is, is that progress doesn't stop. It's gonna eventually, you know, it's gonna progress and you're gonna be on such the wrong fucking side of history. It's so, it's like, can these people just die? We are reliving the 80s like all over again. This is like satanic panic. Oh my gosh, All over again with the HIV crisis, you know, how like 
how like anti-gay and how like virulent like the Anita Bryants of the world were because yes. of HIV and it was the gay plague and it was it was a punishment by God sent upon us because we were fucking sinners. You know what I'm saying? And they're doing the same shit with yeah. all this other stuff. The idea that walking into a Target and seeing a rainbow t-shirt is somehow indoctrination is absolutely absurd because, you know, you can walk into Target and see a Mutant Ninja t Turtles t-shirt and you know what? You're not becoming a Mutant Ninja Turtle. So stupid. Um, while we're on Target, real quick, Target, make your fucking shirts longer. Stop doing half shirts. I wanted the Live Laugh Lesbian shirt. And it came to here. Well, you know, they stopped. They pulled everything off the shelves. They Well, they did have a price. I was there two days ago. Really? They had, yeah, they had the Live Left Lesbian shirt. Okay. Well, in certain places, was, they've pulled everything off the shelves. Still a half shirt, though, to be fair. That's pull, Give me a full shirt. But anyway, <laughs> go ahead. No, there was these two gay guys in I don't know what city, in what town. But they found a little onesie that was super cute for their 10 month old and they went to buy it and it was like a pride onesie and they wouldn't sell it to them because it was supposed to be, it was Take supposed it off, to have yeah. been off, yeah, off the racks. And I mean, to be fair, these, no, not to be fair, cause it's not fair. These companies have been severely supportive, but what they're saying that they're afraid of is because these fucking people are going into the stores and hurting employees. What? Which is insane. Insane. You guys, I j I this just, is why we can't have nice things. It's so if you're going to fucking walk into a Target and start harassing people because they are buying things that are different than you're buying. Yep. Yep. It's so it's so disappointing. This year has been really strange. It really has been. And did you hear about like the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence? Yeah. And the, the Dodgers game? Yes, I did. Um, Actually, well, that's, you know, I'm talking about the sisters today, but that's so. Oh, that's right. I totally forgot that that was your topic. <laughs> <laughs> you're right so it's but this is this has been a it's it's like a culmination of things because yeah they, like these people are you know we're not really getting we kind of all make fun of rainbow corporate pride right because you know that hi gay during june it's that's that's the like oh you know the corporations are trying to get 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 us you know they're like they're yeah. supportive then absolutely we really haven't had that this year you know um it, there's been a couple things but it's you know, they're, they're like kind of like bowing down a bit to the fucking homophobes. And and that's like with the Dodgers. Um, real quick, if you guys aren't familiar with what I'm talking about, the uh, Los Angeles Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence uh, were scheduled to receive a Community Hero Award from the Dodgers for their charity and activism on the Dodgers annual Pride Night. On May 18th, uh, after U.S. Senator Marco Rubio, fuck you, Catholic vote, the Catholic League and other religious groups criticized the decision. The team rescinded the invitation. Calls to reverse the um, calls to reverse or cancel Pride Night altogether came from um, the Los Angeles LB LGBTQ Center, the ACLU, uh, County Supervisor Lindsay Horvath, County Councilman um, Eunice Hernandez, State Senator Scott uh, Weiner, Weiner, Weiner and the sisters themselves i think it's probably wiener wiener they wanted to cancel it because like if you're gonna you know basically rescind that invitation cancel pride you don't get to have the money for pride night you know yeah um uh the, the afterwards though the dodgers apologized and reinvited the sisters and they did accept the apology so there's actually on their website 
I'll get into, I'm going to get into the sisters and what they're all about, who they are, because it's a lot different than what I thought it was. Yeah. They did accept the apology and did end up going to the event. Oh, okay. But, um, yeah, they actually rescinded a fucking invitation. Yeah. I mean, it is absurd. Marco like, Rubio. The bowing God. down to, like, yes. these, the, like, the, the bullying. I mean, that's essentially what it is. Yeah. You know, I mean, like, queer people are bullied their entire fucking lives. And, like, you know, like. All we're looking for is a little bit of representation yeah. and a little bit of like room to move about in this world as we are. You right? know what I mean? It's not a big fucking ask. And I can't even believe that we are still having the same fucking arguments that we had when we were kids. I know. Um, that's, you know, the one thing I will say is that, like I said, at least there is seems to be some pushback, you know, and there's like. I really like seeing some of the artists stand up for like the drag bands, you know, like a lot of the artists who have been performing either wouldn't perform in Tennessee or who have been performing in Tennessee have spoken up. Um, Taylor, I'm looking at you because you don't fucking say anything. You know, I love Taylor Swift. You know, <laughs> I know you love her. You are. And she didn't say anything in Tennessee. Now, she's very, she's, well, no, she's not very vocal. Like, she did make a pride speech in Chicago. Every single one of her openers are lesbians. (laughs) Like, not every single one, but Muna is a lesbian group. Girl in Red, who I'm going to see, I'm going to see Taylor this weekend with Girl in Red is a lesbian. And one of the ways you find out if somebody's gay, like, one of the clear, a major queer flag, flagging thing for, like, younger folks is do you listen to Girl in Red? Mm-hmm. that's like okay does that mean if you say yes that means you're gay mm-hmm. these are literally taylor's openers like mm-hmm. she's not she's surrounds herself on queer people she didn't say anything about the drag band when she was in tennessee yeah which oh. is so disappointing because a lot of other like lizzo has been very vocal about yeah it. so um i love that we're having the counter protest and people are speaking up um you know my my sister went to a protest in florida about it because she went to a pride and she went to their pride nice and there was a ton of protesters at pride yeah so my sister was like standing on you know the the good side and stuff so um i love that and then uh like a little bit what we were talking about earlier the sisters of indulgence yeah i mean before we get into the sisters though the only thing that i'm just gonna say about all of these people protesting and hating on us is like they've never experienced a pride you know what i'm saying yeah and they have no absolute they have literally no understanding of it as a joyful event yeah you know and like honestly they think that this it's indoctrination for kids and what it is it's a place where kids and everybody can fucking actually feel comfortable and feel like themselves for maybe just a few hours maybe one day out of an entire fucking year you know what i mean yeah Shade never made anybody less gay. That's right. <laughs> from, from Taylor says you you need to calm down. Have you, you ever seen that video? Calm down. Yeah, it's a good yeah. video. It's very like so good. I was so disappointed or not saying anything for the drag band though. That was a big that was a big moment, a big loss. Yeah. Yeah, that's a bummer. Yeah. Tennessee's your home state. She, you know, her whole documentary in the 2020 was about um being more politically active and how her brand was like pushing against it. She was like, no, I don't care. I'm going to go out and vote and tell people to vote and talk about, you know, LGBTQ politics and stuff. And then she just never said anything else again. She made a whole documentary about it. And then she's like, whoops. Fucking. Yeah. But well, let's talk about the sisters. Let's talk about the sisters. Cause they're fucking showing up. And again, like I said, they're so much bigger than I realized they were. I really thought it was like a cool drag troupe or yeah, something fun too. like that you know like, yeah i can't wait to find out and they more. are they're theatrical and stuff but um let me tell you about them okay yeah because i don't know what you're talking about 
The Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence, also called the Order of Perpetual Indulgence, is a charity, protest, and street performance organization that uses drag and religious imagery to satirize. Satirize? I can, yeah. To, <laughs> it's hard to say that. To satirize issues of sex, gender, and morality, particularly Christian perspectives on these topics. I absolutely love the sisters. Oh, just wait. And fundraise for charity. Um, they are the leading edge order of queer and trans nuns. They actually do take a vow. They, take a, they actually take a vow to promulgate universal joy and um, expiate stigmatic guilt. Okay. Okay. Uh, and this is from, I got the information from Wikipedia and their actual website. Okay. Go on their website. It's really cool. It's filled with um, all of their sistery. Uh, oh, oh, nice. Yeah. So, okay, wait a second. Okay, I guess I'll ask you. Keep going. Yeah, there's there's a lot to get through here. So. Okay, yes, keep going. Okay, um, so I'm just I just took this one little paragraph from there because it was kind of cute. A long, long time ago in 1976, far away in the land of Oz, also known as Iowa, uh, a, co um, a coven of Roman Catholic nuns lent some retired habits to the sugar plum fairies performing their version of the sound of music. One year later, one of our founder sisters, vicious power, hungry bitch, um, his actual name is Ken Bunch, moved to San Francisco in 1975 and brought those habits to the street of the Castro district. I'm going to go into the Castro a little bit here. Okay. Okay. Um, so uh, the Castro, a uh, little bit about it. It's, uh, U the U.S. military discharged thousands of gay servicemen from the Pacific Theater in San Francisco during World War II. It's the early 1940s because of their sexuality. Many settled in the Bay Area, San Francisco, and Sausalito. In San Francisco, an established Bay commu gay community had begun in numerous areas, inc including Polk Street, which used to be regarded as the city's gay center from the 50s to the early 80s, uh, the Tenderloin, and south of Market. In the 1950s, saw large numbers of families moving out of the Castro to the suburbs in what became known as the White Flight, leaving open large amounts of real estate and creating attractive locations for gay purchasers. The Missouri Mule first opened in 1935 by Norwegian immigrant Hans K. Lund and would find its place in San Francisco's history, becoming a proud icon of the LGBTQ community following its reopening in 1963. The Castro's age as a gay Mecca began, began during the late 60s with the Summer of Love in the neighbor, neighboring Haight-Ashbury District in 1967. The two neighborhoods are se separated by a steep hill. Bear with me, I'm reading from paper here. Um, Buena Vista Park. The hippie... The hippie and free love movement had fostered communal living and free society ideas, including the housing of large groups of people in hippie communes. Androgyny became popular with men, even in full beards, as gay hippie men began to move to the area. The 1967 gathering brought tens of thousands of middle-class youth from all over the United States to the hate, which saw its own exodus when well-organized individuals and collectives started to see the Castro as an oasis from the masses of influx. Many of the hippies had no way to support themselves or places to shelter, so the hate became kind of a drug-riddled, more violent place, chasing off the gay population who looked for a more stable area to live. The gay community centered an upscale, fashionable urban center in the Castro District in the 1970s. Many San Francisco gays also moved there in the years around 1970 from what was then the most prominent gay neighborhood, Polk Gulch. And I'm not familiar with Polk Gulch, but I started looking into it a little. Polk Gulch? Polk. I know, it's, it's hard to, to say. say. Yeah. <laughs> um, mostly because large Victorian houses were available at low rents. <laughs> Imagine. 
San Francisco, low rents. Imagine. And available for purchase for low down down payments when their former middle-class owners had fled to the suburbs. Um, Harvey Milk, here with his sister-in-law in in front of the Castro. um, Oh, sorry. I'm reading something that was wrong there. Sorry about that. Um, A photo caption? Yeah, I was was reading that. But that was Harvey Milk. um, Just imagine it, everybody. Uh, Harvey Milk, middle-aged white guy. Um, standing with a sister-in-law. By 1973, Harvey Milk, who would become the most famous resident in the neighborhood, opened a camera store, Castro Camera, and began political political involvement as a gay activist, further contributing to the notion of the Castro's gay destination. Okay, so maybe he wasn't middle-aged yet. No. Um, okay, I don't know how to say this appropriately, but they looked middle-aged then. Yeah, you know, totally, like, yeah. At, like, now it's so different how people look Agreed. in their 20s and 30s. Yeah. Um, Uh, Some of the culture of the late 70s included what was termed the Castro clone, a a mode of dress and personal grooming that exemplified butchness and masculinity of the working class men in construction. Tight denim jeans, black or um, sand combat boots, tight, tight T-shirts, and often Izod, remember those crocodile shirts, or possibly a red plaid flannel outer shirt. I love the whole look of it. And usually sporting a mustache or full beard. In vogue with the gay male population I'm at just going to say that sounds like clothes that hipsters wear today. A hundred percent. In vogue with the gay male population at the time, um, and which gave rise to the nickname Clone Canyon for the stretch of Castro Street, Street between 18th and Market Streets. Um, so that was like where they all kind of... Everybody looked the same there. So right, right, like right, little, right. Yeah. The Castro um, clones. Yep. I love that. Jeez uh, Louise. There were numerous famous watering holes in the area uh, contributing to the nightlife. Um, included a bunch of them. A ton of them opened up. Uh, a tickle, typical daytime street scene of the period is perhaps best illustrated by mentioning the male belly dancers who could be found holding forth in good weather at the corner of 18th and Castro on um, Hibernia Beach in front of the financial institution from which it drew its name. Then at night, after the bars close at 2 a.m., the men remaining at that hour would often line up along the sidewalk of the 18th Street to indicate that they were still available to go home, a.k.a. the meat rack. So (laughs) that's the Castro, okay? The meat rack. The meat rack. That is so funny. Have you been been there, right? Yeah. Well, not to the meat rack, no, because I'm a vegetarian. Oh, that was good in so many ways. That joke really, really, I love that. Um, the Castro. Yeah, yeah, you've been there. Yeah. Obviously, you've been there. Uh, for anybody who hasn't, go there. Go there now. Our history immediately. There. It's 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 a really. It's been a really long time since I've been. Um, so I'm sure some things have changed, but I'm sure some things haven't. Right. And it's a really cool historical. It's, yeah, place. it's been at least a decade since I've been to San Francisco. So me too. I love San Francisco. I do too. I loved it when it's I was a- there. Let's move. Why are we here? Let's go to San Francisco. <laughs> get burned out. I'm sure we could afford to live there. It's well, so I mean rents were so inexpensive. Can you imagine like buying something then? I know, right? The it's family like wealth the, that you could have. The tech dudes now. I know. ruin San Francisco. Okay, so back to the sisters. Um, the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence made their first appearance on Castro Street in San Francisco in 1979. And they were not a Castro clone. No. Their approach and appearance was not new or extraordinary for the place of time. There's a lot of costume there. There was a lot of, like, drag. There's a lot of everything there. Sure, so, yeah. Um, 
Uh, starting in the 60s, the Castro began, began transitioning from a working Irish class um, district uh, at, and then again, the white flight after. So gay bars opened and it, uh, you know, what I just went through. Uh, there were two theater troops, uh, the Cockettes and the Angels of Light formed in San Francisco in the late 60s and focused entertainment on mocking popular culture through drag, embracing drugs and free sex in the counterculture of the 60s. So they were just doing a bunch of drugs and making fun of straight people. I love. The Cockettes performed regularly at the Palace Theater in the city's North Beach District as part of the late night nocturnal emission series and developed a strong following that would also dress in drag and ascribe to recreational drug use at their shows. Uh, one of the more high-profile performers was um, a parodic rec rec recreation of the 1971 wedding of Trisha Nixon, who's President, President Nixon's daughter, and Edward F. Cox, both characters played by men in women's clothes. Director John Waters called the Cockettes hippie acid freak drag queens. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> Whose first non-San Francisco appearance was at a New York City show with an audience full of celebrities who reacted with complete confusion to the performance. Um, you know, because there was also there really wasn't like, you know, it, it, you could be in New York and not really know what's going on in San Francisco aside from word of mouth. It's not like there's there might be pictures, but if you don't have video to like. Really well, get it. But also, I mean, there wasn't social media. Yeah, and, exactly. And I mean, like, there was still closets. I mean, like, the communities were generally very, very, you know what I mean? Except for in these, like, tiny little, like, Time places bubbles, where yeah. they could, yeah, exactly. Like, little bubbles where they could actually somewhat exist. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, there's no way, like, there's so heavily a possibility that some of these people had never even heard of drag queens. Exactly. Um, with their rising success came philosophical differences with the angels of light who broke off to present free shows, but who similarly employed drag and theater to um, satirize issues of gender and morality. The angels of light first appeared in a mock nativity scene at Grace's cathedral, Christmas Eve, midnight mass in 1970s. I would love to be that. I know. I right. Imagine being there. Um, in 1970, the Castro was also known for its outrageous characters who were 1970s mainstays, such as Jesus Christ, Satan and the Cosmic Lady, who endeared themselves to local residents with their unique perspectives, particularly during Halloween street events, such as the Castro Street Fair and Halloween and the Castro. Those were obviously those were really, um, you know, like times where everybody was dressed up and on the street. But. From what I was reading, it really seemed like the Castro had something like this every weekend. Yeah. Like every single weekend was an event sort of like this. Yeah, like a Halloween thing. Um, and Easter, I should just point out, Easter is was their main event for the sisters. Easter was when they come out. Easter is still when they come out. Okay. So um, on Easter weekend in 1979, three men dressed as nuns with habits they had procure, procured from a, co a convent in Iowa under the guise that they were going to stage a presentation of the Sound of Music made their appearance in Castro. Street. They followed the, with appearances at Nude Beach, a softball game, and the annual Castro Street Fair. So that's the first time they were there. Okay. Um, at the same time, religious participants in politics appeared in the late 1970s with activism of Anita, Anita Bryant Ugh. yeah, and Jerry Falwell his establishment of the moral majority. The Castro district had been publicized nationally as a major gay neighborhood and was targeted by several dozen church members who took weekly trips to preach to the residents about the immoral immorality of homosexuality. 
In August 1980, a dozen men dressed in 14th century Belgian nun robes <laughs> and habits, <laughs> and according to one of the participants, using the name Sister Missionary Position. Oh, my God. Um, I'm just saying, leave it to the gays to, like, really, like, absolutely, like, turn it up that wait till you hear these some of these names um a teensy bit of makeup so not to be dowdy on a friday night met um with the pros pros oh my god i hate reading <laughs> prosthetizers i can't proselytizers Pro- yes yes i can't i hate reading i can i can read i know you reading can. out loud is a very different it is well especially yeah it is it's it's a challenge. It is a challenge. Where a chase ensued, it attracted an audience of gay supporters who heckled the preachers until they left. Um, so that's kind of where they started, right? Yes. Let me, let me see here. Uh, in October in 1980, a dozen or so nuns held their first fundraiser, a bingo game and salsa dance that was well attended in large part because of the write-up in the San Francisco Chronicle by Herb Kane, the sister, uh, the same day. Who, he, print, um, he printed the name of their organization, and he's the one who coined them the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence. So that's how it started. Uh, the benefit was for San Francisco's Metropolitan Community Church a Cuban refugee program, and it netted $1,500. Okay. You know, and that's uh, that's a nineteen. In today's money, I mean, that's it's like... like three or $4,000, so... Probably more like first... three or $4 million. Um, okay. <laughs> We're both probably very wrong. <laughs> no, I mean, I I know this stuff, like, off the top yeah. of my head. Okay, $3 million. Um, The city's health scene then had hit a crisis level um, during that year. We all know what's coming STDs were spreading uh, at a pandemic rate, and the gay cancer was contaminating everyone. Um, and, you know, everyone with fear and prejudice, and it just, it was getting out of hand. Registered nurses, Sister Florence Nightmare and Sister Resurrection, <laughs> joined with a team of sisters and medical professionals to create Playfair, the first safer sex pamphlet anywhere in the world to use plain sex positive language, practical advice, and humor. Oh, that's Awesome. The first ever. It was so well received that it went through a second printing within just a few months. It was paid for in part by sex party benefits. And this is this is wild to me. And the sale of ashes from the burned down barracks bathhouse. So I think I tried to like look more into that. And I think it was just probably a fundraiser. And the ashes must have been sort of like a a memorabilia or something. Yeah. That were auctioned off. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Have a little piece of, yeah. Uh, yeah, exactly. The first AIDS candlelight vigil in 1983 was orchestrated by the sisters, led by the banner Fighting for Our Lives, which was painted um, at an uh, apartment by Sister Vicious. One of the many speakers to the... Um, one of the many speakers that night was Sister Florence Nightmare. She was not only a healthcare professional, but advocate for PWA, PWAs and herself was HIV positive. Her article, Well and Good, in the Sentinel combined observations of a man living with AIDS and practical insight of a medical profession, professional. She and her friend, in, in um, quotes, quotes yeah. yeah, so we know what that means, um, appeared 
on the August 8th cover of Newsweek, which earned her the moniker AIDS Poster Boy. The article about gay and AIDS was the first time that the topics were handled in a fairly unbiased manner and that the entire nation was able to come face to face with AIDS. For their efforts the previous year, sisters were honored with five cable car awards, including outstanding theme event, outstanding athletic event, and most outrageous parade float, a fully functional 50-foot muscle, 50-foot missile with nuns in military habits launching our war on VD campaign. Oh, that's so hilarious. Right? Uh, CBS National TV came to town to do their hour-long special, Gay Power, Gay Politics, featuring Sister Boom Boom. I mean, these names are so good. Oh, they're so good. I'll give me one second. Um, and obviously, a the AIDS crisis was the most detrimental thing to everybody in that area, right? Right, right. Um, and they were a big And Reagan. Oh God! Right, <laughs> uh, they were a big part of it. They were a big. They were some of the first responders to the crisis. Um, a little bit of, uh, you know, some of the things that they've done. And please go to their website because this is just a, a brief overview of some of the things they've done. They've done a lot more. In the 90s, the sisters attended a Creating Change conference in Los Angeles demanding the inclusion of transgender issues and speakers in the March on Washington and Stonewall's 25th anniversary in New York. This is the first time anyone had demanded transgender inclusion. The 1993 March on Washington officially discouraged drag, so they flew to D.C. in drag and marched in drag with pride. Um, and in contrast to the organizers, the crowds couldn't get enough. So that was kind of cool. Uh, while demonstrating in D.C., orchestrating huge events in our own city, celebrating life and spreading joy, the sisters also struggled against that pandemic, too. In rapid succession, the sisters lost five of their own, mm. which left them in anger and despair. It empowered the order to refocus their fight so that their 15th anniversary brought new energy and drive to the group. The Children's Halloween was started as a safe space for kids and continues to this day to treat hundreds of kids for um, hundreds of kids for gay and not gay parents and their children. Um, and that was like their, their, uh, the children's Halloween was an event that they, uh, created in name of the five members that they had just lost. Aww. Um, they did attend the Stonewall's 25th anniversary in New York city and they helped lead another drag march, uh, from alphabet city to the Stonewall Inn. Some of the favorite chants were two, five, six, seven. We're tough dykes that so we don't have to rhyme. And the Pope's, <laughs> the Pope wears a dress and so will I. Oh my God. Hilarious. So they were, you know, again, this is a very small amount of what they were actually all doing in the nineties. There's a lot of stuff. The two thousands, the sisters birth with burst with pride, take to the streets at San Francisco pride as the brides of Christ, of course, in support of California's for the same sex marriage later at the San Francisco pride festival, the sisters perform an exorcism of radio show host, Dr. Laura. Oh my God. Right. Dr. Laura Schlesinger was the fucking devil. Yes. So they're trying to free her of her hateful speech against gays and lesbians. Um, the sisters closed that year with their annual solstice benefit, which raised funds for the gay, lesbian, bisexual, transgender historical society and the sisters archives at the event, $10,000 from their community grants funds is presented to local nonprofits and, and um, several more worthy individuals, including St. Harry Ferry, <laughs> and St. N. John um, and his partner was sainted too. So these are all sisters. Um, the sisters are elected grand marshal for the San Francisco Pride celebration. In uh, the Russian River Missionary Order is founded by the San Francisco Order and Sister Mary Margaret of the House of Explosions. Uh, and then they also participated in several, um, or actually not, 
participated, but uh, organized several charities to um, support uh, the to support the victims of the 9-11 terrorist attacks. So they're involved in that too. Um, they just help everybody. Right? Yeah. So all through the, you know, the 2000s, the, again, there's a million other things they started doing. Stop the Violence was started again after a 20-year break. The sisters um, took to the street uh, reacting to an increase in gay bashings. Um, so they actively took to the street with whistles and to kind of patrol the neighborhood. Um, uh, the AIDS Memorial Grove Boulder dedicated to the sisters who have passed was unveiled. The inscription reads in memory of every nun, um, of the above, the sisters of perpetual indulgence. And then, uh, in July 26th, the U S Supreme court strikes down DOMA and prop eight, clearing the way for same sex marriage in all 50 States and substantially increasing attendance. At the, um, um, oh, I read that wrong. Well, anyway, so that happens, and they were there um, kind of organizing events for that. They were one of the largest organizers to get people to vote, um, to vote during Prop 8. They were on the right, street. Right. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then, uh, oh, I'm so sorry, sorry. Okay. Oh, and then um, more recently, the House approves the foundation of PIMP, the Perpetual Indulgence Ministry Program to perform legal weddings and non-denominational spiritual ceremonies. So they started uh, an organization in um, the San Francisco area that would uh, basically continue to like open up uh, an actual um, church service for queer people and do marriages if people wanted to get married in um, a church setting. But, okay. So yeah, uh, and then. But it's not a real church, nope. right? No. Well, okay. so the, so the, if you read their website, it reads like they do consider themselves a ministry. Okay. Yeah, they do consider themselves a ministry. They do. You have to take a vow, and it's right. not easy to become a sister. Okay. Yeah. So, um, well, what do you have to do? Okay, I'm getting there. Okay. Let's see. Let's see. Becoming a sister. In addition to fundraising, the work of a sister also includes ministry, education, and entertainment. We organize, plan, and throw events, some of which are very large and complex. The sisters regularly visit local hospices, bring joy to the people, and bring joy to the people there. We also have some very intense one-on-one -on -one sessions with people we meet while we're out. Ours is a ministry of presence. The sisters frequently act as educators lecturing to classrooms of students and informing the cute boy at the bar about the risks of unsafe safe sex. <laughs> and if you've ever been to one of our bingo games or any other event that is hosted by a sister, you have seen us in our roles as MC and hosts. Being a sister requires a lot of different skills. It's an investment in time and energy. I mix my papers up. Uh-oh, sorry, that was my fault because I asked you to jump ahead and tell me what I needed to do to become a sister. Um, when evaluating a potential new member, we look at the number of things. We look for drive, passion, and commitment, a desire to perform community service, the ability to handle many tasks with grace, honesty, and, a gen and having a genuine character, good people skills, and the ability to interact with others in a me meaningful way. However, having driving skills is not enough. There are four steps to becoming a sister, and the entire process takes over a year. Okay. So, number one, you volunteer. That begins when you declare your intent to join at one of our general memberships. Um, it lasts for a couple months. You really have to participate and you have to show up. Number two, postulant. As a postulant, you're a member of the order, but you have no voting rights. In addition to continuing to further your relationship within the order, you're required to attend all of our meetings. Um, 
many of our events and you must spend at least six hours in our archives learning the history. Uh, and also I should say each each step you get a little another piece of the uniform so you're not able to wear ha um, the habit until the very end. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, the third step you become a novice sister. Uh, okay. Sorry. So this is when you start to manifest the outward appearance of a sister. You're getting, you know, you can have the, um, the, where's the white face and the wimple. Okay. The wimple. What's the wimple? Wimple. I, it's got to be a part of the uniform. I don't even know what that is, to be honest with you. Okay. <laughs> wimple. Um, the wimple. Although she's only allowed to wear a pure white veil. But despite this, the general public still perceives you as a sister. So you kind of look oh, like one. Oh, so it's a veil. A wimple is a veil. So is you, it? you can only wear the white part and you don't get to wear the black part yet. Okay, okay. So um, this lasts for about six months. During that time, you're a member without rights, but you must attend every meeting on all the events. And then you have to spend eight hours in the archives. Okay, so right. six hours in the step before. Yep, and eight. And yep. eight here. Okay, and any in the first step? No, no. no. Just volunteering. Th that's just volunteering. Okay. You're not allowed to wear it's anything. Just acts yep. of service purely. Yep, okay. yep. And then um, fully professed, you get the black veil. Okay. Although this is the last step in the formal process of becoming a sister, it is the first step towards being a sister. So as a fully professed member of the order, you have all rights and privileges of a member. You may vote, represent the order, and manifest as you feel called to do so. Um, fully professed members may also hold office and help shape the direction and development of the order. Um, our fully professed members serve the order in many different roles. Taken as a whole, they make the order what is what it is. So uh, basically, and then that's the last step. You're a sister, and then they then they like your sister for a while and then they go through the process of like are you sure this is what you want so you actively live as a sister for a bit okay so um they do really consider themselves like an order it is yeah it is a calling yeah it's very clear on their on their website that this there's a calling to to do the work okay this isn't just a drag show troupe i thought I up until today, I truly thought that it was just a drag troupe, like a silly little theater thing. Yeah, you know, not that drag is silly theater because drag is protest. Um, I, I don't mean to trivialize it. Though, right. No, I, drag but I know protest, what you mean. But like, I thought it was like more like, fun, like yeah. more fun based as opposed to like, yeah, actually is, like raising money. And this is an order, and they consider the themselves and yeah, they consider themselves nuns. And you know, in in their order, it's obviously the way that they look at the spiritual practice it's a bit different than traditional stuff sure but um they, it is a call to service you dedicate your life to it it's not something you can just you know you just become one like right, you really right. have to and yeah then you have I'm definitely out like I mean all of that extra yeah. stuff I was just like okay no I'm yeah good. <laughs> well and they have a mentorship where you're you're paired with a sister uh-huh um and so like big sister little a hundred percent that's exactly what they call it too yeah really like big sister <laughs> and then uh also, there's a million other little things. Like I said, I strongly suggest going to their website. It's a really fun read. Um, obviously, nobody wants to sit and listen to me read because I can barely do it for an hour. So I'm not going to do that. But um, yeah, again, I really thought it was a drag troupe. I, I did not realize it was an actual like order. And they've yeah. been doing this. One thing I am interested in, I didn't find much information, is I would like to find out more about them in Iowa. You know, before they went to the Castro. Uh -huh. Like, what was going on there in the early 70s in Iowa where they were like where they started you know where that yeah, group started that is but, really interesting but um yeah it's cool I feel like they're really um 
uh, detrimental in the progress of the Castro becoming, you know, a gay mecca and becoming detrimental. Sort of, do you mean instrumental? Instrumental, yeah, yeah, not detrimental. Yeah, I mixed that up. <laughs> instrumental in the um, Castro becoming like the, you know, the gay mecca. It was, yeah, it, it was, it is, but really, what it was, yeah, you know, like, like they helped establish it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. because um, yeah, they were. I mean, they were there. Again, I gave you about 5% of what they did. Yeah, that's so interesting. I'm really glad that, like, we got to find out more about them and, yeah. like, kind of end this episode on a happier note, you know. Exactly. kind of started off with Yeah, yeah, so there's crap. there's people out there fighting the good fight. Fighting you know? the good fight. We should all fight the good fight. We should, yeah. Absolutely. Should we get to crushes? Let's get to crushes. Crush. Mm-hmm. Do the song. If you're gonna do what crushes, yeah, then you gotta know who your crushes are. Oh, yeah. If you're gonna do crushes, you gotta know who your crush is. <laughs> uh, a little bit of I'm gonna go with Haley's. Haley Stevens? Haley Stevens. I almost said Senator. Congresswoman Haley Stevens. First of all, she's adorable. She is like, adorable. Just straight up. I mean, she's cute. Like, and she's... that fucking jacket that she wore to Pride was fire. She's like attractive. She's super cute. She really is. She really is. So aside from like all the good stuff, like I do have a crush on her. Like she is attractive. And she's funny and she's nice and she hangs out with us. Like she, she is... doesn't just pop in, she hangs out with us. She did make fun of me for my phone. But that was funny. She was like, I don't usually let people take pictures of me with a phone like that. Because it was it's an old <laughs> shitty iPhone 11. And I told her, like, at least it's not an Android. But we laughed about it. And she's really funny. And I really like her. And her laugh, she, like, she kind of has this, like, way like of, like, talking to people. Like, she sounds like she's an old lady. Yeah. In a young woman's body. Yeah. And I'm not saying that, like, in terms of the, the quality of her voice or anything. It's just, like... I don't know what the quality is. It's just the weirdest thing, but she's fucking cool. She's I so absolutely cute. love her. I she's agree. She's so funny. And like, like I said, she hangs out with, well, she, to be fair, she hangs out with our friends. Like she doesn't <laughs> hang out with me, but I hang out with our and friends. And they're pillars of the community. They really are. No, I mean, she, she's, I, no, I know. Like they went to her birthday party. Like it's not as, like, it's not just a, oh, you know, I'm so showing up for the queer community and my friends are like the ones who are like leaders of it. But she's actually friends with our friends. So she shows up and hangs out. Yes. It's really fucking cool. I it is really it. cool. Yeah. And she's a great rep. Yeah. She's a, oh yeah, the politics too. <laughs> All that stuff. But she's really cute. Yeah. Details. Details, details. Um, I'm in love with her. Haley called me. Anyway, go ahead. Who's oh, your crush? My crush is also political this week. Ooh. Uh-huh. I'm going for our state senator, Jeremy Moss. Excellent. He's awesome too. He shows up too. He shows and up. And he hangs out with us too. He's a badass. I mean, he's just so inspiring. Yeah. I highly recommend any of you out there like YouTube, Google, like find a Jeremy Moss speech when he's like fired up, man, especially talking about queer stuff. Yeah. He is so inspiring. Yeah. And he's, he's really, um, supportive of Roe and her campaign. Go with Roe. Go with Roe. Go with Roe. Rolanda Kelly. Um, City yeah. Council in City Ferndale. City Council, Ferndale, Michigan. For our vast Ferndale audience. Yeah. Uh, Ferndale, show up, by the way. Why is West Bloomfield above you? We have more listeners in West Bloomfield than Ferndale. And in Royal Oak. And in Royal Oak. <laughs> Ferndale, show up. And go with Roe. Go with Roe. 
All right. Yeah. So those are my, those are our crushes. Those are our crushes. I mean, you know, honestly, one of the things that, you know, it kind of came out during the opening ceremonies. I don't mm-hmm. know if it was Jeremy that said it or if it was one of the other speakers, but they were talking about the fact that we have an LGBTQ caucus in our state legislature for the first time ever. Yeah. That's and awesome. so that essentially means that there's more than like two people yeah. that they can actually all meet and like affect change. I, I See, Michigan is is good lately. It's really, really fucking been, amazing. Like, I've really been happy to be here, happy to be part of it. And like, I feel really good about being here. And and we finally got past the Elliot Larson Civil Rights Act here in Michigan, yeah. which is the one that, you know, prevents discrimination based on your gender identity, identity or, or yeah. sexual orientation in housing, public accommodation, all of that stuff and hiring ed- employment and all that stuff too. So, I mean, this LGBTQ caucus is kicking some ass. I love it. Yeah. So if you're living in a state that's terrible, move here. Come to Michigan. And make it extra blue. Yeah. And we have Great Lakes. And you can hang out with us. Yep. I mean, it's an extra super bonus. Although um, my friend Nicole here does really, really want to still move to Alaska. So I do want to move to the uh, the great country of Alaska. (laughs) The other country of Alaska. Oh, my God. It's a beautiful country I hear. Beautiful country I hear. (laughs) I don't think we need a passport to go there, though. I think I do. And my passport's <laughs> expired. I just looked at it. I just realized that, which is annoying as fuck. Well, you better get on that. Yeah. Especially since you're going to be traveling soon because you're going to find that love. I know. I'm in still Alaska waiting. And you're going to need I need to go to another country, international. <laughs> um. Yeah. But still, any, you know, any Norway, UK, you know, the usual. The usual. All right. Australia. I love Australia too. You know? Yeah. I mean, I would love to see a, a kangaroo spiders, in though. real life. No, they're not nice. They're terrifying looking, yeah. man. They've got like they're not nice. Like muscles and shit. Yeah, they really do. They really, they really like, look like men. They do. Their it's bodies crazy. are creepy. I really Have you ever gone to the the zoo, the Detroit Zoo and the kangaroo? place and they just like lay there and they like lay like this and it is and that's how they lay they lay like on their side with their like like a proper. centerfold pose yes yeah and they're like muscular it's so fucking weird <laughs> anyway uh stay weird check us out on socials yeah uh queer podcast on um instagram at no queerdos queerdos on, why do we, on facebook literally it's been three years queerdos and facebook <laughs> it's been like pos- four queer podcast on instagram stay weird be queer bye bye happy pride motherfucker happy pride put it only this homophobes if god hates gay people then why did he make us all so fucking hot you know how like your skin on a hot car yeah why am i not hearing anything you're not you can hear it yeah i can't hear anything that's weird usually it's the same you know what I mean? Well, that's my wife because <laughs> I was like, usually we details, have... <laughs> details. I'm sorry, it's so oh funny. My God.